The following audio is from All Saints Church. For more information about the church, please visit our website at allsaintsgb.org. A reading this morning from the prophet Amos, chapter 8. This is what the Lord God showed me. Behold, a basket of summer fruit. And he said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people, Israel. I will never again pass by them. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, declares the Lord God. So many dead bodies, they are thrown everywhere. Silence! Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, When will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale? That we may make the ephah small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false balances. That we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob, surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account and everyone mourn who dwells in it and all of it rise like the Nile and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt. And on that day, declares the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on every waist and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only sun and the end of it like a bitter day. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. But not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east, and they shall run to and fro to seek the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. In that day, the lovely virgins and the young men will faint for thirst. Those who swear by the guilt of Samaria and say, as your God lives, O Dan, or as the way of Beersheba lives, they shall fall and never rise again. God, we thank you for your word. Every week, every week we end our Old Testament readings with these words. God, we thank you for your word. The story of your grace, even after reading from the book of Amos, this shepherd, farmer, prophet, bringing the lion's roar of judgment against God's people's sin. As I sometimes finish reading harsh passages like this in Amos, I want to put a question mark at the end of that phrase. The story of your grace. How does Amos reveal to us God's undeserved favor and steadfast love toward his people when just in this passage we heard the phrase, the end to my people Israel has come. Or they will fall and not get up again. How in the world is this word in Amos the story of God's grace? Amos, prior to this passage, has been given three visions from God. The first, locusts. 
devouring the land. The second, a ravaging fire that's going to consume everything so hot that it's even going to burn the reservoirs of water in the wells. The third vision, a level or a plumb line marking how Israel's crooked walls need to be taken down. How is this the story of God's grace? How could all of this judgment be the story of God's grace? And then, just prior to this passage, the leaders of Israel have been hearing Amos' vision from the Lord of coming judgment, the day of the Lord. And what is their response? They don't believe it. It's that bad. They're sticking their fingers in their ears and they're saying, la, 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 we don't want to hear about it. We can't hear you. We can't hear the Lord speak. Stop speaking. How is all of this harsh judgment and response the story of God's grace? Friends, are the words from the prophet Amos each week making you a little weary? Where you too want to say, enough of Amos. Stop talking, Lord. You're making me really uncomfortable with all of this. Are you hungry for some good news in the midst of this like worst case scenario? This is exactly what this book of Amos is intending to do in us. To leave us wanting Leave us knowing, I fall short of your perfect standard for justice and righteousness. Leave us longing for someone to make right what we have regularly wronged with others. To leave us just at the edge of the cliff of hopelessness when you're right about to move your foot over the edge to jump and give up. God finally speaks comfort. Because friends... How else would you recognize grace? How else could something truly be undeserved if we didn't know how deserving of bad things we are? The story of God's grace must include the backstory of bad news. Really bad news. Devastating, jaw-dropping bad news before the good news of grace can even be willing to be heard. Is this you today? Has God through hard and harsh chapters brought you to the end of yourself? A situation you're in that seems to be going from bad to worse. Cruel people who say to you, you would just be better off dead. Headlines that highlight every week Man's unsuccessful attempts at managing the microscopic. (laughs) Tragic attempts to make ourselves the judge by gunning down or running down human beings. Where does God's story of grace seem dead-ended today? This is why the prophet has throughout this book been stressing two people groups. The poor And the helpless. Because guess who those people are? They're the only ones listening to Amos. They have no rights. They have no recourse. They have no nothing. Those who know what it's like to have nothing left but God. Become keenly aware that God is enough. (laughs) 
Could this be the story of grace in Amos? A stripping of us till all we have left is nothing but God. And that is completely and sufficiently enough. Could it be in this posture of being poor and needy, we will finally begin to listen to God? Could that be the story of God's grace in this wearying world of 2021? We're nearing the end of Amos and we're given the fourth of five visions in this passage. At the beginning, God says, Amos, what do you see? He says, a basket of summer fruit. That sounds really promising, doesn't it? But clearly, based on what the Lord says after, it's not so promising. In fact, the Hebrew word for summer fruit, kaitz, and the word for end, kaitz, sound remarkably the same. The summer fruit, filled with probably like figs and pomegranates, marked the end. It would be like seeing a basket, if you will, of like gourds, pumpkins, and squash, right? We know when we see those fruits or vegetables, winter's coming. Brown trees are coming. Dead grass is coming. Cold temperatures are coming. And one gray cloud which hangs over the entire Midwest for six months is coming. The end of my people has come, God states. I will surely not pass over them again. What happens without God's Passover? Without God's hand protecting his people, verse 3 tells us. There's going to be wailing like the sound of a mother outside of a Michigan high school. There's going to be corpses like the scene of India's COVID crematoriums. So that the only thing people know to say is found at the end of verse 3. What do they say? We just got to stop talking. Silence. We have nothing to say. Israel has been living, wearing, God-canceling headphones. A noisy collection of voices drowning out the small voice of God. Verse 5 and 6 show us what they've been saying It sounds a lot like the script of American consumerism. Can't wait till Sunday's over so we can get on with our weeks and make some cash. Can't wait to sell less for more. Do less and make more. Can't wait to tip the scales so I look good and I'm in the right. Can't wait to treat people as if they're worth a cheap pair of shoes. Can't wait to grab a few bucks on Facebook Marketplace selling up my ripped up pea-stained couch to some desperate hoarder. That's what they've been saying. And God hears their script of pride and he says in verse 7, unforgettable in every way. What you've been doing. They have given the silent treatment to the Lord's roar of warning. Have you ever been, any of you ever been, have parents or friends in high school, this always happened, maybe more junior high, friends who gave you the silent treatment? It's an abusive behavior where someone shuns you, pretends you don't exist won't speak to you for days or for weeks or for years on end. And God, in his justice, is completely fair in giving people exactly what they asked for. We talked about this a few weeks ago. When the vision 
uh, Amos had was a picture of hell, a place where God is not. You don't want me here with you, then I'll give you a place that looks like without me. And in this vision, the end of Israel is not only marked with a desert of God's presence, it's marked with an absence of God's voice. You don't want to listen to me? Then I'm not going to speak anymore. So what does that look like when God stops speaking? Look at verse 8. It looks like God not telling the earth and the earth's tectonic plates to hold back disaster. The earthquakes. It looks like the Lord refusing to speak back an enemy army or speak back a disease or a disastrous flood so that thousands end up dying. It looks like the Lord saying quiet to the sun so that it gets dark in the middle of the day. Every grace God had been speaking to the people of God, he stops saying he's silent. What happens then when God is silent? Look at verse 10. The bounty of food, their feasts become funerals, back-to-back funerals. The drunken songs in the bar now become songs at the graveside. The rich clothes are exchanged for robes of repentance. The long braided hair gets shaved as they become slaves. And the crying will be as if every hope was lost. It will be as if there has been a death of an only son. No future. God responds to Israel's giving him the silent treatment with what? A treatment of silence. Kipling Williams has studied the effect of the silent treatment. And as he's been studying it, he's been wrecked by the tragic consequences of this abusive behavior. Here's some of these stories that he, in his research, has found. A grown woman whose father refused to speak with her for six months at a time as punishment throughout her life. Her father died during one of those dreaded periods. And William said when she visited her dad at the hospital shortly before his death, he turned away from her and wouldn't break his silence even to say goodbye. A wife whose husband cut off communication with her early in their marriage. She endured four decades of silence. Four decades of silence that started with a tiny disagreement and only ended when her husband died. Forty years of eating meals by herself, watching television by herself. Forty years of being invisible. When Williams asked her, why did you stay with him all that time? She answered simply, well, at least he kept a roof over my head. God himself for hundreds of years has been receiving the silent treatment from his people, from his leaders, from his family, whom he delivered from poverty and helplessness. They've given him the silent treatment. And God's response is not passivity. It's active judgment against the silent treatment. I'm going to give you what you want. If you don't want to listen to what I have to say, then I'm going to give you what you want, silence. So in verse 11, a vision includes a famine. It comes upon God's people, not for 40 years like that wife endured. 400 years. Not of hunger for bread or thirst for water, but rather 400 years of not hearing the words of the Lord. No more thus says the Lord from a priest or a prophet or a king. Instead, silence. 
we were praying in our Wednesday morning prayer time, verses 11 and 12. And I can vividly remember and hear one person's prayer as they prayed, Lord, it would be terrifying not to be able to hear you speak. Wandering, like the verses say, from sea to sea, north to east, looking around desperately for some answer, some help, some comfort, and nothing is heard. The beautiful virgin, a symbol of vitality and new life, passes out because she has no nourishment. The eligible young bachelor falling over without anything to drink. And anyone, the end of the passage says, who gives God the silent treatment and tries to call upon any other person, place, or thing, whether it be the guilt of Samaria or the God of Dan or the way of Beersheba or the Virgin Mary, will fall and not be able to get up again. The question I want us to ask today is this. If the Lord stopped speaking his word in your life today, would it matter? Would you even notice? Are you giving God the silent treatment? Do you live like the word of God is food for your soul? Or dust collecting centerpieces? In our family growing up, we had a huge Catholic Bible. Anybody, you guys have those? Huge Catholic Bible. Ordainly or ornately decorated on the outside. And it sat on this brass stand in our living room. A mark that we had set the table with religion. But never opened the lid of the dish and scooped out what was inside. Pray today that God would make your spiritual stomach growl with hunger for the food of his word. Ask today that God would dissatisfy you with the snacks of social media and Twitter and Facebook. Commit, friends, to taking just one verse, one verse of his word, like a breakfast bar or an afternoon snack with you to work each day. I wanted to give you a real practical application, but I've printed out a few different ways that you can do this out on the table as you head out. There's the ambitious and there's the simple. And I realize we all fall in different categories. Ambitious. Here is a list of cards you can put in the Bible so you could read God's word through the whole year in a year. Might be too much. Here is 30 days in the New Testament to feed on God's word. Here is systematic theology, 30 days to learn different aspects of God's character. And here are 30 cards that have a verse a day, parents, to take with you or take your kids to take with them. Promising, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Psalm 56, 3. Take that to work with you. We need to allow God's word to be a diet of regular food. We're in Amos this fall, friends, because we take the fall to be in the Old Testament. As we begin to hunger and thirst for more of Jesus. We're going to be in the gospel of Mark in the spring because we need a steady diet of seeing Jesus. 
We're going to be in the wisdom literature and pastoral letters of the Old and New Testaments in the summer so we can know how to live a life of grace. We eat different parts of his word while he's still speaking. And more than that, church, we hear this word spoken to us and digest it in order to display his word to a world grasping around in the dark for any kind of reply. Friends, our life as a church is this word lived out in our hands, in our hands. So the world can see the word of God displayed in all of you. This week, I heard of three young men, one on his 21st birthday, who took their lives this week because they couldn't hear a word or an answer of what's wrong with this world. And is there any hope? Young men who have fallen and will not get up again. As long as the church is still in the world, saints, his word is being spoken through us, through our mouths of mercy, through our hands of hope. We need to put on our oxygen mask. We need to open up the lid of God's word and eat and drink of it while it's still here. 400 years of God's silence is a long time. What happens during a prolonged and profound period of total silence? I'll close with this. My sister, she's a cochlear implant audiologist. She helps to install devices into folks' cochlea and turn on their ears so that the nerve can hear sound once again after they've been deaf and unable to hear for prolonged periods of time. I said, Jack, what happens when someone has experienced a prolonged period of silence where they don't hear things anymore? She said, it's so sad to watch because they just start to wither. They start to lose touch with their family. They can't hear them anymore, so they just kind of back off. They begin to isolate and just do their own little thing. They begin to feel completely alone and shut out. It's so sad to watch, but friends, that's what happens when we don't have the word of God feeding us. But what's so amazing, friends, about her job is what happens when the implant device is activated. And the deaf person who has not heard a sound for years and years finally hears their spouse or their parent's voice again as if for the first time. She said that breaking of silence is this powerfully loud contrast. It's a picture of grace. It's overwhelming joy. And they turn it on the lowest amount. And what does she see? Tears. I can hear you. I can hear you. This Advent season, we need to stop talking so much. We need to stop texting so much. We need to stop filling our worlds with so much noise. Stop giving God the silent treatment. Because the quieter, friends, our Advents become, the louder that baby's cry will be. Lord, I have shut you out for years but you opened your mouth again as the word became flesh. You came back. You spoke again. You, Jesus, came to receive the silent treatment from God. 
Friends, the day of Christ's crucifixion, the day promised in Amos, the day of our judgment was like the morning of an only son. Zechariah 12.10 expands on how this judgment in Amos becomes a story of God's grace in Jesus. As he declares, I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy so that when they look on me, on him who they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. From the newborn's first cry in Bethlehem to his cries outside of Jerusalem on the cross. My God, my God, why are you giving me the silent treatment? They are cries that break the silence, showing us that there too on the cross is the meeting together of God's judgment and God's grace to us. Here's our king. Here's God's love. Here's our king who's going to bring us back to God. Father, we thank you for your final word. After 400 years, your silence-breaking word. Become flesh, the glorious, better-than-good-news ending to the story of your grace. Will you hear him today? Will you prepare him room for him to speak today? Will your ears be open to hearing his word speak grace to you, sinner? We have fallen We have fallen, but he can and he will raise us up again. God, we thank you for your word, the story of your grace. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the gift of Amos. It's wrapped in strange uh, packaging. But Father, it does indeed tell the story of your grace. Thank you that we no longer have to live in 400 years of famine, of not hearing you. Thank you that your word is always speaking. Thank you that your spirit is always awake in us. Continue to give us ears to hear what your word has to say to us. Give us desires to want to feed on it. And grow in it. And want to apply it to our lives. Father not just for our own nourishment father. But for the nourishment of poor and helpless people around us. Bring your kingdom to bear. And your word to bear on our lives. That your kingdom come and your will can be done through our lives. On earth as it is in heaven. Help us father we pray. Through the word changing the word breaking silence life and death and resurrection of jesus and it's his name we pray amen